This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Mississippi Education Connection, your on-air source for instructional education during this COVID-19 crisis. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. The coronavirus has turned parents and guardians around the world into homeschoolers and forced teachers into distant learning instruction. For most, this transition is daunting and unfamiliar. Today, our guest is Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education. We'll discuss the disruptions the virus has caused in education for the year and talk about the future of education and what it looks like in Mississippi. Plus, she's answering your questions to be a part of the conversation Call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. This is Mississippi Education Connection. Well, good morning, Tara Wren. Good morning. How are you? I'm unfamiliar with saying that. That's my first time ever <laughs> saying that on air here uh, at MPB. I am so happy that um, we're together for forever, how long, for the duration of the COVID-19 yes. healthcare uh, pandemic. But... I would like for you to talk to the people, our listeners, our patrons, people who support MPB and beyond. Let them know what this show is really about and, and what you're trying to accomplish. Well, Michelle, I'm really excited to be here as well and super excited to bring this show to Mississippians that I believe will be a great help during this COVID-19 pandemic. The Mississippi Education Connection will have guests on to provide the most re- relevant and timely education information We'll be providing ideas, best practices, strategies for parents, teachers, guardians, students, Mm -hmm. and really the community at large. Um, The show will be engaging, and we're hoping that listeners will call in and talk to us and ask questions about guests. Not only that, but it'll be fun, too, because during the week, each week we'll offer a cool story from around Mississippi, plus we'll provide tips of the week right from our Mississippi MPB education services team here at MPB, and it's just a good time to have this education-focused program on MPB Think Radio. It really is, and again, everything, this is the new norm. You hear that term floating around uh, from state to state all over the country, Uh, and when you say new norm, there are comes new practices, new policies, and we had no time to prepare. <laughs> so this happened in all of a sudden. So again, you can you can imagine how teachers, educators, uh, students, parents, any person that has a child in school must feel right now. And for us to provide this platform for them to ask questions and to provide resources is wonderful. And this is all over the state and the world because we're on podcasts. So you can listen, <laughs> tell your friends if they are not in Mississippi, they can log on to mpbonline.org, click listen live, and they can listen to us from all over the world. That's super exciting. It's good for us to be the state megaphone for this. What yes. MPB was built on and that's education for 50 years now and 50 now years. we have a great opportunity to to just really um, highlight what MPB does from on television, radio, and education services. You said uh, state megaphone. Java, we have to clone that right there. 
state we use that all the time we, we got, look, we, we're learning some new stuff from the education department uh, I like that the state megaphone we talk about that on this side a lot but what we do here as producers we love to be the cheerleaders of Mississippi yes. showing just how great Mississippi is yes. to the world not just to Mississippians but to the world and that's what we're going to do today so let's start with our first feel good story uh, again we're asking you guys to um Join in with us. Tell your friends to go ahead and log on right now or just tune in and get ready to call. Again, the number to be a part of the conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Now, our first cool story of the week, it comes from Florence, Mississippi. Now, this was a neat story. I know you've seen them all over. If you watch the, uh, the news, you see feel-good stories everywhere. But this one comes from Florence, Mississippi. Beverly Deer. She's a... Uh, um, uh, stay-at-home mom. She had two children. They grew up and they're out of the house. And she's been watching the news and looking at the uh, COVID-19 um, issues and saw that the schools were closed and decided to turn her home into a kid zone to help parents affected with the coronavirus epidemic and the trying times of paying for daycare or paying for child care when you don't have any money. It is a transition. It, um, the story that they gave was a lady that was working at a local diner mm-hmm. in Florence. She was working as a waitress. So mm-hmm. imagine all of a sudden that stops. Right. So they're doing curbside. So she's not making, she went, she says she went from $80 a day mm-hmm. to $20 a day. Mm-hmm. So she had no money mm-hmm. to pay someone to keep her son and go to work. Right. So uh, Beverly Deer decided to open her her home up to the uh, community. So she's providing um, educational resources. They have learning time. They play outside all for free. So she says she has a huge house and what better way to give back to her community than to open her house up to kids in need, to parents who can't afford to send their kids somewhere else. And those are the stories that we need to have right now. Giving back. Don't do it for yourself. Do it for the greater good. Well, thank you, Beverly Deer. And I know there are a lot of other Beverly Deers out there and we're Mm -hmm. we're looking forward to tell those stories in the weeks to come. We want you guys to give us a call. Now, I'm asking you if you have a feel good story for the state. It could be with education, especially uh, centered around kids or any neat story that shows the good heartedness of Mississippians. Email me at michelle.mcadoo at mpbonline.org. Let me give that to you again. Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E dot McAdoo, M-C-A-D-O-O at mpbonline.org and put in the subject COVID-19 cool stories. Now, Tara, each week we're going to bring tips of the week from your wonderful education department. What do they have for us this week? Well, we have several tips to offer this week, and they're for teachers, students, as well as um, parents. So the whole family, everybody can could take um, take learn from these tips that we're going to offer. The first tip we have is to make a daily schedule, like a weekly plan, one that includes the entire family. You want to work everybody in. Come up with the best time to start work, activities, schoolwork, incorporate breaks, and you got to incorporate family fun time in there because that just kind of makes you laugh, makes you smile, makes you feel a whole lot better. And physical activity, we got to get up and move around. Yeah. The second tip that we have is for learners, early learners. Everybody should be reading together. Read together, that's more fun, more engaging. 
Families can work with their early learners to create vocabulary maps, vocabulary word walls. So it'll be lots of fun. I like that. Yes. Word walls. For the older learners, Mm -hmm, too, as mm -hmm. well. When you're reading together and you're talking about the stories, you're learning that way together as a family. Okay. Mm -hmm. And self-care for teachers, self-care for parents. We want to think about ourselves as well so we can keep on going. Yes. And the last tip that we will offer is about watching together. Whether it's a movie or a show on television, and we want to get that PBS kids programming in there, yes. which a lot of curriculum is tied to the PBS programs. And, and a lot of teachers right now are using PBS Learning Media in their classroom, which is tied, which is tied to this program as well. For more tips and activities, you got to log on to mpbonline.org, and we have an MPB at-home learning section on our website. Oh, wow. Those are some tips for this week. We'll have more next week, and just go to the website throughout the week. We're going to be continuously updating it. That's good, and thank you for giving the parents those tips because if you work in a situation where you didn't have to do scheduling and things like that, this is new for you. How do I make a schedule if I have four kids Mm -hmm. and they're all different ages? I have Mm -hmm. some in high school, some in elementary, and one in middle school. How do I do that? So let's give them that website again where they can get that advice on how to do uh, um, scheduling and things like that? Yes, just go to mpbonline.org and click on the MPB at Home Learning tab. You will see there. Wonderful. So stay tuned. Of course, each week we'll bring you tips of the week. And of course, don't forget to email me at michelle.mcadoo at mpbonline.org. Put in the subject, cool COVID-19, cool stories. We'll talk about these and much more every Friday here on Mississippi Education Connection. Well, we're going to take our first break, and when we return, we'll welcome our guest, Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education. Now, phone lines are open, so get those questions ready. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, today our guest became the State Superintendent of Education for Mississippi in 2013. Under her leadership, Mississippi has initiated aggressive education reforms that have resulted in unmatched academic success and rising student achievement. But no one could have predicted a world health care crisis where schools would be shut down and teachers, parents, and students will be forced into a digital learning situation. Let's welcome now to the show State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright, to shed some light on this unnerving situation. Good morning, Dr. Wright. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking a little time out. I know you're uh, quarantined at home right now, but you're still busy as ever, I'm sure. Absolutely, every day. Well, Tara Wren is here with me this morning. 
She's here. Um, Good and we're morning. Gonna, uh, just Good morning. Talk to you and have a great uh, conversation about the state of Mississippi education right now. Uh, Before we get started uh, talking about the details and the particulars, I want to start off with you. Tell us how you're feeling personally about this entire situation and how it just turned everything upside down. Well, it's been um, incredibly disappointing, uh, obviously, to have something like this happen because it just throws everybody, I think, into a little bit of a, you know, I don't know how to even phrase it. It just makes everybody, like, step back and, like, have to rethink everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, teachers have been working so hard and principals have been working so hard. The trajectory of our state has just been improving so much that it uh, gives everybody pause when you've got to step back and totally rethink and redo the way that you're providing education. But I've got to say, you know, from the bottom of my heart, our superintendents, our principals, our teachers, our support staff out in schools are doing an amazing job. I mean, an amazing job. They are, they are stepping up in ways that are just um, phenomenal to make sure that learning continues. We've got districts that are providing, you know, certainly distance learning. But for districts that aren't, um, they're preparing learning packets at home. You've got districts that are sending school buses around with grab-and-go lunches and, uh, and breakfast every day. And they're also distributing learning packets as they go around in their buses along with lunches. So people are just really um, doing you know, the best that they can possibly do to make sure that our children continue to have the education that they deserve. Well, um, Dr. Wright, I have a question. When the governor, uh, when Governor Date Reeves issued an executive order to close all Mississippi schools until April 17th, was there a plan of action already in place for something like this? Well, I know that he works directly with um, FEMA on any of these kinds of states of emergencies. Uh, Dr. Dobbs, you know, obviously the state health officer is, is an integral part of this. Dr. Dobbs and I have been in constant communication uh, around um, issues related to COVID-19 in our schools. And I know the governor was well informed. Um, we, he and I had conversations about this before he made a final decision. So I think he's doing a great job of trying to get everybody's input and then make the best possible decision. Yes, I understand. And again, uh, he even stated that it was the hardest decision that he ever had to make since becoming governor. Speaking of hard decisions, you've been housed or uh, hoisted into making decisions <laughs> that you probably thought you would never have to make in uh, uh, in this position. We talked yesterday, and I would like you to say what you said. Uh, the decisions you've made did not come easily, that you didn't just pull them out of the sky, and they weren't um, unmerited. And I like what you said yesterday about the position you hold. Tell everyone what you said about the power. I love that. Well, it's funny because uh, you and I were talking about uh, just me being able to make decisions all by myself. And I said, it's really funny that the number of people that think that the state superintendent of education has so much more power than this position actually holds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I do not. <clears throat> I report to a board who is uh, an amazing group of people. Uh, they look to me for my leadership and suggestions on, on what is in the best interest of education. They're incredibly supportive and incredibly proactive. And when we got ready to make this decision about um, 
suspending assessments for the state assessments for the year and suspending the accountability for the rest of the year. Um, we did this before the United States Department of Ed came out with um, offering the waivers. We knew that we would have to apply for a waiver, mm-hmm. but I was hearing from way too many superintendents and people across the state the amount of stress that this was producing, uh, being shut down and still anticipating having to go through statewide assessments, that I made the recommendation to the board that we just suspend this and then apply for the waiver because, and then once we did that and once that information got out, I cannot tell you the number of emails and text messages and phone calls that I got was saying, thank you so much for reducing at least that sort of stress. And these aren't easy decisions to make because you're, you're wanting to continue as business as usual. But when you're in a situation like this, it can't be just business as usual. Mm. And so the board, um, the board approved that. And then we had to go back then after the board approved the suspension of our statewide assessments and accountability to look at all of our board policies to see which ones also needed to be suspended. And <clears throat> excuse me, and we met with the board yesterday, virtually, obviously, um, <laughs> yes. and they approved a number of other uh, policies and procedures that um, they're going to weigh for this year due to COVID-19. Yes, and we're going to actually, um, after the break, talk about that uh, press release you guys sent out yesterday, and we'll ask you to break down some of those policies and procedures and explain to our listeners exactly what they're reading and what they're seeing on your website and everything. I do have a question about Hurricane Katrina, and I'm sure... Since Hurricane Katrina, you guys probably made policies and procedures kind of sort of around uh, similar to this situation. But since Hurricane Katrina, has the uh, Department of Education dealt with a crisis of this magnitude ever? Oh, absolutely. Well, other than Katrina, right. I, certainly I wasn't here because that was back in 2005. And um, uh, in fact, there a lot of what we, we we've been retrieving uh, from you know records is exactly how some of these policies and procedures were handled during Katrina uh, to try to be you know consistent with that. Uh, you know, Katrina was certainly a statewide event, um, but not quite like this statewide event, uh, which um, is in the far reaches um, of the state. So we've been very thoughtful, and uh, the leadership team and I have been working, I mean, daily, literally daily and hours and on end, going over all of these policies and trying to um, anticipate every single um, way that this could be interpreted and how then can we do this to make sure that children are benefiting, you know, teachers are benefiting and districts are benefiting by this. So it, it was a pretty comprehensive overview on our part. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the um, um plans that the school of uh, the department of education has put in place let's go let's start with um you talked about the testing which a lot of parents and educators uh alike want to know how is that actually going to work moving forward when you suspend um state testing how is that going to look on transcripts for seniors when they apply for college and um even my daughter is in the 10th grade so moving forward Mm -hmm. into 11th grade how will this be uh um, what I'm trying, basically, will this be an asterisk on their transcript or um, how will we know this happened for them and they do not have to be required to uh, have these tests? Well, that's something that we, that's some of the guidance that we are pushing out to districts as we speak. And uh, local districts will then um, have to make sure that they're following the guidance that w- that we put forward around 
you know, how this should be marked. We have suspended um, our end-of-course assessments. Um, as you know, any students in grades 7 through 12 who are enrolled in either Algebra 1, Biology, English 2, or U.S. History will not be required to take and pass the end-of-course assessment um, or meet one of the other options um, that we have out there because we felt this way, um, that was the fairest way to do it because otherwise we would have been saying to your 10th grader, let's say, who may be, I'm just making this up, who may have been in biology and said, oh, well, then we're going to make you take it next year. Well, then that student, your daughter, would have had to have remembered all of that biology content for a full year in order to take that assessment. And we did not feel um, that that was fair to students. So that will be something that there's, she's still going to get the Carnegie unit uh, for her um, if she's passed. I mean, there's guidance that we're giving around that, too. Uh, earning the Carnegie unit, but she won't be required to take that statewide assessment. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking at the um, uh, press release yesterday. Can you explain what a Carnegie unit is and how that uh, applies to our students? Yes. Well, students um, can earn Carnegie units um, for uh, courses that they take. And usually courses are worth one Carnegie unit. Excuse me. There are some that are worth half a Carnegie unit. And in the state of Mississippi, our diploma requires, our, our standard diploma requires 24 Carnegie units to be acquired, in, and we've got specific areas in which they need to be acquired in order to receive a high school diploma. Now, we also have high school endorsements on those diplomas. So you can get an endorsement for um, career technical education. You can get a, an endorsement called distinguished and you can get an endorsement called academic. Each of those also require additional Carnegie units beyond the 24. But this year we are waiving um, those, those. You don't have to have earned more than, but you have to have earned at least 24 Carnegie units in order to um, obtain a diploma. Oh, okay. Some districts require more automatically. Some districts do. Um, uh, and if you're getting an endorsement, so does the state. But um, if you are, you can't give a diploma for a child that has less than 24 Carnegie units. Oh. So it's like a credit. Like, you know, when you were in college, you right. had three credits for a right. class. Well, it's the same idea. It's one credit for a class. I understand. Well, everyone, you're listening to Mississippi Education Connection. Uh, this is our new show, Educational Platform. You're listening to Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education. We want you to be a part of the show. I'm sure you're sitting there listening to the show and you've had questions. You've had conversations with your girlfriends or friend, family friends, and you have a question for Dr. Wright. You can be a part of the show today by calling one eight seven seven mp Ring. Again, that's one 7464 Phone lines are open right now. Tara, you had a question. Yes, I want to ask Dr. Wright. Um, what do you consider or have you thought about the future impact of the students missing this structured instructional time? Do you anticipate any learning loss and how might that be addressed at the district level and trickle down? Good question. Yes, we have, in fact, been anticipating that, and we are also putting together um, funds that districts will be able to apply for, for, say, summer reading programs or summer learning programs. A lot of districts are already thinking about this, um, and as soon as we make it to the other side um, of COVID-19, districts are already putting in place uh, what they want to be offering during the summer. Uh, And then the state will be offering uh, funds that districts can apply for as well. You know, I think that's the biggest worry that everybody has is, you know, is the, is the student learning loss? I mean, that is that is on everybody's mind. So 
We are pushing out every day to districts ideas uh, for them to employ. We've got learning at home programs um, that are on our website. So I encourage anybody that's listening, please go to MDE's website. There's a lot of resources that are there for parents and for teachers uh, to implement during this time. So we are doing everything we can to make it as publicly known as we can that where those resources are. That's a really good question. And we are also um, working with MDE right now to provide some resources and support you from a broadcast perspective and even in our education services department. So we are super excited about doing that. I think think we're ready to go to a break. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, Dr. Wright, and come back and continue talking with you. We're going to um, get these questions answered and get your um, get you to feel more comfortable right now. I know people have a lot of questions that are unanswered right now. This is the time to ask them. The number to call is one eight seven seven MBB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Dr. Wright is on standby, ready to answer your questions. Stay tuned. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. You're listening to Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. Well, today we've been speaking with State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright, about how the department plans to move forward throughout this health care crisis, and she's answering your questions. Now, phone lines are open, so if you have a question or comment for Dr. Wright, here's your chance to ask. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Now, Doctor Wright, when I asked people to call, they actually did. <laughs> so we're going <laughs> to uh, go to the phone lines now and welcome our listeners. Let's welcome Lynn from Macomb. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Hi, Good Lynn. Morning. Hi. Do you have a question or comment? Yes, I I have a question. My question is for Dr. Wright. Uh, You know, I know as we have been listening, this is a very trying time for our public school systems across our state. And uh, my question, I'm wondering for the various school districts, you know, uh, this time of year for our high school senior is critical, and it's where we're choosing the top of the class. And I'm wondering how will school systems, how will they choose their class valedictorian and all the other accolades that go with being a high school senior? So, a good question. Um, those decisions will be made at the local level uh, because every uh, district has a different grading system. Every dis- district has different expectations. Even districts have different um, the number of Carnegie units that they require. So that will be a decision that will be made um, at the local district level. Thank you. 
All right, Lynn, thank you for that good question. Uh, we're going to stay on the phones right now. Good morning, Sharon. Thanks for calling in today. Thank you. I am a positive person, and I know out of this pandemic, something good will come out of it. And I am wondering how uh, the state or the federal government will allow the state in the communities that are in the poverty, um, under the poverty line, or in those towns, how will we get um, uh, internet and how will those children get uh, devices so that they can learn uh, remotely? That's a great question. Um, and so um, I don't know if you are aware, the Senate, um, not our Senate, but the Congress, the Congressional Senate um, just passed, uh, I think it's a $2.2 trillion bill and the House is supposed to be voting on that um, today. Uh, as part of that money, uh, K-12 will be getting uh, funds sent directly to the state. Some of those monies will be sent directly to the districts some will be retained at the state level, some will be retained by the governor, and then there's another um, uh, pot of money that's going to the institutions of higher learning. Uh, it is certainly the expectation that these funds would be used for just exactly what you're talking about, which is making sure that um, districts uh, ensure that they have enough uh, Wi-Fi and broadband um, across their schools and across their areas. Also, that children would have devices so I think the purpose for this um, this first set of money was to do exactly what you're talking about. So we're hoping that that money arrives sooner than later <clears throat> so that we can guide our districts in, in how to spend it. I've already got my team working on best practices in terms of how many um, you know, how many devices do you need to have and, and in what ratio to children uh, and even the typical kinds of devices that we're recommending for districts. So we're already working on those um, guidelines so that when the money gets here, the districts will have the guidelines from us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. That was a great question. Um, before we go back to the phone lines, Dr. Wright, um, with the COVID-19 um, policies and uh, the social distancing, how do you propose uh, getting this money to the different districts? And then I heard you mention uh, the the actual machine, the laptops and the uh, things. How do you propose getting this to the areas uh, that need them the most? Well, when that money will come in, it will come in centrally. Mm -hmm. um, this is my assumption, this, which is the way all federal dollars do. They come in centrally to the state, and then the state um, allocates those monies out to the districts, um, as we do with all other Title One, Two, Three, Four, Special Ed, uh, Career Technical Education. All of those monies always come in centrally and then are allocated to the districts. It's going to be coming in, um, is my understanding, based on a Title One formula. So it's going to be the same kind of per-people formula um, that they're using to already now um, push our title dollars out to the districts. So when that money comes in, that money will be allocated out to the districts uh, along with guidelines and around how those funds should be spent. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. We're going to uh, continue uh, on the phones with William. We have William back. Good morning, William from Greenwood. Thanks for calling in. You have a question for Dr. Wright? Yes, ma'am. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good morning. Morning. Good. Yes, I, I'm a military veteran, Vietnam veteran. I got six grandkids. And one day my grandson called me and said, Granddad, I done peed on myself. 
I said, oh, man, I'm going to bring you some pants out there. I'll be right out. So I went out to the school to take him some pants, and we went in the bathroom. And the bathroom was horrible. The water was running out of the sink on the floor. You know? And the next day they had Father's and Grandfather's Day. So I said, wow, man, I'm going to have to look at these bathrooms. And every bathroom I went through was filthy. First grade, the bathrooms were stopped up. You had loose towels on the floor. You know, I'm a little boy. I'm going to go in there and pick those towels up, throw them around. Somebody might put one in their mouth, swallow it, and die, you know? And that's throughout the whole community. These bathrooms are horrible. I'll say throughout Mississippi, because I've talked to, I got family in in Gulfport. It's throughout Mississippi. The bathrooms are horrible. And what makes it so bad, what makes it so bad, grand jury go by there every year and look at this. All right. William, thank you for that statement. That was a very valid statement. Um, Dr. Wright, do you have a comment about uh, the state of, I guess, the certain bathrooms in certain districts? Well, that's a concern, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, that's something that is a local decision, a local a local issue and uh, the state had we do audits obviously going in and making sure that things are, are working correctly but with all this that's going on we've not been conducting any of our audits but that is something that I think he needs to bring to the um, superintendent's mm-hmm. attention and to the board of ed, that local board of education's attention because they're really the ones that can be the the closest to to getting that issue resolved. That is a good answer. And that's, uh, William, if you were still listening, uh, again, bring those concerns to your local uh, district and superintendent in your area, and they should try to uh, curtail or get those uh, changes made in those schools. We're going to stay on the phone lines and uh, move to Monica right now. Good morning, Monica. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. You have a question uh, or comment for the show? I do. As a senior parent, um, we are kind of all in the standstill right now as far as what is going to happen next for our seniors' graduation ceremony and things of that sort. I know personally for my child, we are holding on another decision for her, waiting to see if our school is even going to have a graduation ceremony. When will we find some information out about this? Good question. So um, that's a really good question and, and certainly one we've been getting um, a lot. Uh, we made the recommendation, and uh, along with Dr. Dobbs, to uh, close the schools through April the 17th and then reevaluate. And I think one of the things that is on Dr. Dobbs' mind um, is he's concerned, and he even said this yesterday at the press conference with the governor, that we've really not seen the peak of COVID-19 yet. Um, and so he, he's waiting, I think, to make a good decision um, to advise the governor on continuing to close schools or to reopen them. If by April the 17th, I think the numbers are turning around or he's seeing that the peak is behind us, that might be one decision. If the peak does not hit until then, then he's faced with another decision as well. 
So unfortunately, I wish I could give you a definitive answer, but with all that's happening and with the number of deaths that are recorded overnight uh, on COVID-19, we had almost another 100 deaths last night, or excuse me, 100 cases last night, uh, bringing up a total, we're well over, I think, 507 deaths. So um, it, we just continue to have to monitor the situation and, and do the best that we can accordingly. Unfortunately, I just can't give you a definitive answer on that. Thank you, Monica. Very good question. I'm sure most parents, especially with seniors, uh, was thinking the same thing. What do they do? Do they hold on to the notion of they may have a graduation or not? Uh, Dr. Wright, I know yesterday you and I were speaking. I personally, my daughter's not in a se- senior, but um, if she was, I would later on to say if they um, take the um, quarantine and open lift a lot of uh, policies and we can go out again, I would have a mock graduation for either my community or my daughter's friends or son's friends, if parents could rally around each other and get together and maybe not the whole school, but maybe do a type of mock graduation. We were even thinking choir robes. You can't get the robes Mm -hmm. from um, Mm -hmm. um, the graduation robes, but choir robes mimic graduation robes and parents, we can make the hats and just give them that ceremony that they didn't have because everyone remembers their high school graduation. And that's real important moving forward forward in um, students' lives. Um, we do have another question from Jackson. We have Allison on the phone. Good morning, Allison. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling in. Do you have a question or comment for Dr. Wright today? I do have a question. Dr. Wright, do you recommend um, us as parents and caregivers do census and schools activities at home for our children? And if so, how can we go about getting that um, information and those materials? Um, Could you repeat that again? I I faded out on just the what kind of material? Say it again. I'm sorry. Do you recommend that us as parents and caregivers give um, census and school activities at home with our children? And if so, how do we go about getting those materials? Great question. And yes, I do. I think the census is so important. In fact, we just got a notice, I believe it was at the beginning of the week, that Mississippi is leading the nation with the number of people that have responded to the census. And I cannot stress the importance enough of getting the census done. Ten years ago, in our census, we lost a congressional representative because we were undercounted in Mississippi. But more than that, each year, after each census, the federal government is in a position to distribute $675 billion for education, infrastructure, health services, transportation, you name it. And they do that based on the number of people that are counted in the census. So I say that to say, please make sure you can fill it out online. There's a paper copy that's going to be coming. You can call and fill it out. There's a number of ways that this can be done. And to get directly to your question, there is, uh, I believe there's a link on our website. Go to our website uh, for all kinds of materials and census activities um, to do uh, that we've given teachers, and uh, there may even be some for parents. And also on the census website at the federal government, I know they have posted a lot of resources uh, on their website as well. All right. Thank you, Allison, for that great question. And thank you, Dr. Wright, for giving that information out, because that is important. And it actually goes to uh, the question uh, William had about the bathrooms. Filling out the census will help 
keep these bathrooms clean. That's keep exactly right. Exactly. Keep the schools yep. tip-top shape that we want our schools to be in. Well, it's time for us to take our last break. The time is going by fast, but when we return, we'll wrap up our conversation with State Superintendent of Education, Dr. Carrie Wright. It's not too late to get your question in. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Stay tuned for more. This is Mississippi Education Connection, only on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Mississippi Education Connection. I'm your host, Michelle McAdoo, along with Tara Wren, Director of Education here at MPB. MPB. Today, we've been speaking with Dr. Carrie Wright, State Superintendent of Education, about the COVID-19 public health crisis and how it has affected Mississippi's educational system. Thank you again, Dr. Wright, for spending time with us today for our first Mississippi Education Connection uh, show. We've had some great calls and great questions. Uh, before we go back to the phone lines, Patricia, Patrice, or Patrice, hold on. Um, I have a question. Tara has a good question for you, Dr. Wright. Dr. Wright, I'm going to ask you a question concerning special needs students. As schools shift mm-hmm. to online tools for learning, and some students aren't able to do that, and I know that special needs students, they have IEPs, and you know they receive special services during school and instructional times during the day, and these students are at home now with their parents who not who are not accustomed to working with them in that way what type of um, recommendations and what's being done at home to help those students right now uh that's a great question um we received um some uh, guidance uh information from the federal government we have pushed that out to the districts to teachers and schools uh that is also on our website um for parents uh, that we've included uh, some of that information in the learning at home section uh, on our webpage. A lot of teachers already are reaching out to individual children, preparing individual type packets for them so that they can meet their own individual needs because uh, that's the best thing that can be happening is that teachers are the ones designing uh, the work for their children at home. Uh, and we've been encouraging teachers to do that. Our special ed department has also been pushing out information um, to uh, districts and to teachers. We've been putting a lot of this on our social media as well. So we're trying to get as much in the hands of parents um, and teachers as we possibly can. But that would be one of the first places that I would look. Very good. Thank Dr. You. Wright, I, I have a question about distant learning guidelines. Um, as a counselor, uh, I know that we have guidelines for distant learning, very strict guidelines. Uh, were there any guidelines already in place for teachers to abide by um, as far as distant learning? And if there are, are they statewide or do you have them individually for each district? We don't have individual things by district. Any guidelines that we would put out would be for state use and then local consumption. 
So um, we are trying to um, make sure that what's in the hands of our districts are what's best practices around distance learning. Uh, and we get, we've been getting information uh, from national organizations about mm. what some of their recommendations are. So one of the documents that we pushed out to the districts uh, was a rather large document, actually, on where they could even obtain free resources. And that applies to parents. So that's the reason I'm encouraging all parents to look on our website, because some of the guidance that we've given out will also give parents an idea of where to obtain free resources that they can use at home. I must say that um, as a parent, I did look at your website, and if you're needing anything... Any question on this uh, right now on this time of our state of of Mississippi, you have it there. I do have a quick question for you. Was this how quickly did this website get together? Because you have resources broken down for teachers, parents, students and caregivers. You have resources available. Did you already have this information or did you guys quickly have to come together and put this together? Well, we had some of the information, but I really have got to say my leadership team and the people that work for my leadership team have done an amazing job. I mean to tell you, I've got some of the best people in the world working in the department. They literally have been working day and night and over the weekends to pull all of this together. It has been um, a Herculean effort, I might say, but uh, a lot of talented people whose hearts are with children and families and teachers right now. So I thank you for acknowledging all that you saw on our website, uh, because we have greatly expanded the amount of resources um, on that website over the past few weeks. Dr. Wright, I want to commend your team that I've been working with from in the education department as well there. They are doing a great job, and we've been working together to help us realign our television programs here at MPB so that we can support the district in that way. And our PBS Kids programming that comes on every day is also tied to curriculum, as I stated earlier, and been working with them to push that information out to MDE and to the districts here. And we're working together, and we also have that on our website as well, and we have curriculum tied that some teachers are actually using across the district through the PBS Learning Media that ties that curriculum directly to our programming on television. So I am saying kudos to your team as well. Thank you. Well, thank you. Uh, I can't say enough about the partnership that we have with MPB. I mean, I've always felt very strongly about that, and we've encouraged our districts to really take advantage of that. And I want to thank you for reaching out to see how you could even help even more uh, during this period of time. So a lot of respect and a lot of kudos back to MPB for all that they're trying to do for the the state of Mississippi. So thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take our last call for the show. Uh, We're going to go to Patrice in Jackson. Good morning, Patrice. Thanks for calling the show. Good morning. Good morning. How are you ladies doing this morning? Doing great. Good. You have a question or comment for um, Dr. Wright? Kind of both a little. Um, I'm a parent of, of my students go to Jackson, but they was going to Clinton. And you can tell the difference when you come to the school, just the difference in the look and how the kids act in the school. It's totally different. But it's like um, how I keep telling the kids, it's not about where you go, it's about what you're getting out of it. So a lot of your teachers that are, that are there, they're very committed to teaching the students. And it's a lot of concern when you have the students that don't want to take in the information and some that do. You know, that cause a lot of havoc on others that want to learn. 
<clears throat> but when I came to the school one day, it's just a comment that I had. I came to the school one day, and um, when my kids are in something, I, I'm with them all the way. I'm over the volleyball team. I come up there. I check on the schoolwork. I see the kids in the hallway. I'm like a concerned parent. If I see girls here or there not doing what they're supposed to do, I'm just a concerned parent. So one instance that I have to say about is the protection of the kids at JPS school. I don't know if y'all talked about that earlier because I came on the show a little bit later and I was glad to catch it. But I had an instance where my daughter was brought out of the room where her teacher was supposed to have been teaching her. But she let her come out and some girls jumped on her. Oh, that is so unfortunate, Patrice. Uh, we did have a few calls talking about the um, uh, situations at different districts and schools. Again, I know Dr. Wright uh, mentioned to William that those kind of situations or uh, concerns can be addressed on the district level, on uh, superintendents in your school, um, in your area. You can address all those issues that way. Um, Dr. Wright, do you have any um, words for Patrice and how she can um, get those concerns uh, voiced? Yeah, I, absolutely. And I would encourage you to contact Dr. Eric Green. He's the superintendent in JPS. And I would encourage you to contact the school's principal because those are the people that really need to know about the situation and who can address it um, immediately. All right. Well, again, Dr. Wright, I told you yesterday how fast everything was going to go. We have come to the end of the show. I do want to say that yesterday your office did release the statement um, suspending several statewide policies and explaining those policies. Tell everyone again where they can go to get all of the COVID-19 information, resources, and everything they need to know about what's happening right now with uh, education in Mississippi? Well, you can go to the MDE website, and Mississippi Department of Education website, and on that front website, um, there is a link to all of the information that we've discussed today. And if you spend some time on that website, like Michelle has just said, you're going to find a lot of information for parents, for teachers, for children, uh, and we continue to add to that website daily. But please take advantage of it. Thank you so much, Dr. Wright. We've had a great time with you today. Our first show, you did a great job. Thanks to everybody that called in with your questions. If you have any more questions for Dr. Wright or for this uh, particular platform, you can email me at michelle.mcadoo at mpbonline.org. Now, again, we want to thank Dr. Kerry Wright, State Superintendent of Education, for joining us today. Now, if you'd like to hear this show again, you can listen to our podcast on your favorite podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app at mpbonline.org slash Mississippi Education Connection. Now, this has been a production of MPB Think Radio in conjunction with MPB's Educational Services Department and the Mississippi Department of Education. For Tara Wren, I'm Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women and be sure to join us next Friday as we continue to provide educational resources throughout this COVID-19 crisis.